Live. Live from This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We are going to preview the conference championship games with fan size Matt Verderam, an annual tradition here on the podcast. We're going to get ready for Bengals, Chiefs, and the AFC, 49ers, Rams, the NFC West grudge match in the NFC. Both of those games set up to play into Super Bowl 56 out in Los Angeles on February 13th. We're getting ready for those games of Matt in just a bit. We're also going to do our picks for championship weekend. I'm going to be joined by Joe Chaff. He talked to him in week six. His Titans did not make it here. We'll talk about why that happened and make our picks in just a bit. Also, stay tuned for the two-minute drill. I'm going to give you my reaction to the Hall of Fame results. They're coming out on Tuesday. Podcast will be out on Wednesday. So, my reaction to what happened, what it means, who's off the ballot, who's on the ballot, who's coming next year. We'll talk about all that at the end of the show. But we'll get it all started here with the opening tip. We're going to talk about the greatest playoff weekend ever. We'll talk about that right after this. Two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening set. And here we go. All right, opening tip time. And I want to talk about the fact that we just witnessed the greatest NFL playoff weekend ever. All four of these games came down to the final play. Three road teams want to walk off field goal. Chiefs-Bills, which was probably the greatest game in the history of the league, walk off touchdown from Travis Kelsey in overtime. The bar has been set extremely high for the rest of these playoffs and beyond. So let's go game by game here. They seem to get better as the weekend went on. We're going to start off on Saturday afternoon, Bengals-Titans. And it's very simple with this game. Ryan Tannehill lost it. He threw three critical interceptions. One of the first play of the game led to a Bengal field goal. One on the final drive into a double team, no less. Less of the winning kick from Bengals rookie Evan McPherson. The Titans did everything in their power to win that football game. Their defense sacked Joe Burrow nine times. We talked a lot in the past about the Bengal offensive line being a problem. They gave up nine sacks in that game. The Titans held the high-powered Bengal offense under 20 points. All they needed to do this game was for the quarterback to not screw this up. He screwed it up. I also want to give credit to the kicker, Evan McPherson, the rookie. He has stones, man. He had kicks of 38, 45, 54, 52 to win the game at the gun. He looks like he's got the Justin Tucker attitude of, you know what, I'm going to make every kick I am, no matter how far it is. The Bengals got a winner with this kicker. And they took him with the 149th pick in the fifth round. I also throw out here for you New York fans, the Jets, who have been looking for a kicker for years. In that fifth round, they took safety Jamie and Sherwood at pick 146. Three picks of four McPherson. You're hoping, if you're a Jet fan, that Eddie Pinheiro is the guy or that Jamie and Sherwood becomes a star. 
Because I think I'll second guess the kingdom come if Ed McPherson's a stud for Cincinnati for the next 15 years. I was just going to credit to Joe Burrow because he kept the Bengals moving. But the fact he was getting destroyed by the Titan pass on this game. He went 28-37, 348 yards, one pick, thanks to an outstanding diving effort from Monty Hooker. That play was very close. I was going to get overturned on the replay. It was not. Burrow is never scared. He has the Bengals one way from the Super Bowl from the first time since 1989. That'll be fun to see him try and go for that next week. Packers, Niners. Look like this one's going to be a blowout early because Green Bay gets the opening kick right down the field. Touchdown, first drive, 7-0. Big credit to the 49ers. They made some defensive adjustments. They doubled up Devontae Adams. They held the Packers just three points the rest of the way. The game really turned, in my opinion, just prior to the first half when Aaron Rodgers hits Aaron Jones on a broken play deep down the field. They get a field goal attempt set up. 49ers block the kick. Game stays 7-0. The special teams this game were a disaster for the Packers. They had that field goal blocked. They had a punt blocked late by former Jet Jordan Willis. Ends up being recovered for a touchdown that ties the game. Aaron Rodgers goes three and out. They only have 10 men on the field for the Robbie Gold winning attempt, so they had no chance to block it. So, Samson moves on. In the end, though, to me, this loss is on Rodgers. You have, at home, you have a fully healthy complement of weapons. You have to score more than 10 points. This team they're playing against the 49ers really could not move the ball from this entire game, and the quarterback is playing injured. The fact you did not lose this game, the fact you didn't win this game is a really, really bad look for him. And right now, Rodgers is going to be the dominant story here for the Packers and the league, really. He was not going to be after the game, but with his cap number, is really high. It's $40 million. All the drama from last summer about how he wanted out and how he doesn't trust management. The Packers are way over the cap. I think it's safe to say he's played his last game in Green Bay. Next up here, Bucks rams This one looked like it was on its way to Blowout City in the other direction. The Rams jump up 27-3. to Then all of a sudden, they started getting the butterfingers. That football started coming out. Cam Akers fumbles late in the first half when they're driving up another touchdown. That cost the Rams a chance at least three points. Second half, after their 27-3 lead, Cooper Cup gets stripped. The Bucs get a score a touchdown on the next drive. Drive after that, a bad snap way over the head of Matthew Stafford. Bucks get that one, get another chance. They don't convert. Rams miss a field goal. Keep them in this game. And at this point, the Rams sort of sell shock. They're going into this sort of turtle mode. They're trying to burn the clock. Backfires, they end up punting. Jalen Ramsey gets absolutely torched by Mike Evans. Bucks are down seven. Then they say, you know, got to try and run the ball again, force them to use their timeouts and burn the clock. Cam Akers somehow gets the ball again. He fumbles again. The Bucks get it back. They tie the game. At this point, you're sitting there just watching what's going on. You're shell-shocked. You're sitting there thinking, What the hell's going on out here? This game was going up there. With that 28-3 Falcon collapse, one of the biggest choke jobs in the history of the NFL playoffs. Matthew Stafford saved the Rams bacon with that deep throw Cooper Cup set the winning field goal. The Bucs called a zero blitz on the play. Not the finest out from former Jet coach Todd Bowles, who is looking for a head coaching job right now. I would probably burn that piece of tape off my resume, but great job by Stafford. Made the big boy throw. They get the winning kick from Matt Gay, and they are moving on. As far as Tampa's concerned right now, the story is Tom Brady. Poise said in retirement. He went on his own podcast after the game. Like came out Mondays and said, Hey, I have to consider what my wife and kids want. It's not just what I want. It's a family decision. I gotta be fair to the family. So we'll see. It is an option. I still have to see it to believe it. I find it hard to believe that a guy as competitive as Tom Brady 
to go out on a loss like that. He's going to be 45. He did say at one time that he was going to play until he's 45. So next year will be his age 45 season. Could be the last one we see him. Arguably the best game of the weekend. Possibly the best of all time, Bills Chiefs. These teams kept trading haymakers, especially at the end of the game. With two minutes left in this football game, it was 26-21 Chiefs. Gabriel Davis caught his third touchdown out of the game. Buffalo hits the two-pointer, go up 29-26. Next drive, Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill. Middle of the field. He just runs right through the entire defense. 61 yards, touchdown. Chiefs up 33-29. Next drive, Bills go back down the field. Burns them clock. Gabriel Davis catches his fourth touchdown of the game. An NFL postseason record. It's impressive considering the greats who have come before, like Jerry Rice. Gabriel Davis, the most receiving touchdowns in an NFL postseason game. The Bills are up 36-33 13 seconds left. Turner was on CBS. He first guessed the decision here and said to the Bills, why are you kicking into the end zone here? I would kick it short, take some time off the clock, and leave Mahomes as little time as possible. Bills booming for a touchback. Backfires. Bills play extremely soft defense. Tyreek Hill gets a big catch. Travis Kelsey gets a big catch. Harrison Bucker hits the 49-yard field goals. Time expires. We go to overtime. Chiefs win the toss in overtime. And you knew, based on how these two defenses are playing out of the stretch, that whoever won the toss is going to go down the field, score, and win. That's exactly what they did. It's the end of the wildest game you ever see. I know right now the big debate this week is going to be the overtime rules. And they, they do need to change. I agree with that. No one should have their season end on a coin toss because we watched that game. We knew whoever got that ball was going down the field against the gas D and a race into the end zone. If you want to leave the regular season alone right now, which is both teams are guaranteed possession. If you kick a field goal to start overtime, fine. But in the playoffs, I think you should be able to get an opportunity to match a touchdown score with one of your own. Then after that, sudden death. Because at some point, someone's got to stop somebody. That was not the reason the Bills lost the game, though. The reason the Bills lost the game was that choice to kick in the end zone with 13 seconds left. There was no reason to do that. You don't give legends like Patrick Mahomes any extra time that they need. The risk of them returning the kick all the way to the end zone here. It's worth the trade-off for the five seconds you're burning here. That five seconds takes a play off of Mahomes' ledger pre-kick. So, assuming he hits the Tyreek Hill play, you're down about four seconds left and he's throwing in the end zone as opposed to setting a 49-yard field goal. This is also a fascinating situation with the Bills, who now add 13 seconds to wide right and music scene miracle as symbols of franchise heartbreak. This kind of game can destroy a franchise mentally if they let it. Because those are the kinds of losses where you're either resilient, you rally around each other and pick yourselves up and come back and get better from it, or you're never the same. We'll see what happens in Buffalo the next few years. They can overcome this and go on to win a championship with Josh Allen, who is a stud and is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now we go forward to championship weekend where we have two fun matchups. Bengals-Chiefs in the AFC, 49ers-Rams in the NFC. The Bengals and Chiefs played a couple weeks ago in Week 17. The Bengals won in dramatic fashion in Cincinnati. But beating Mahomes at Arrowhead in the playoffs, it's a whole different beast. We'll see Cincinnati's up to the challenge. The 49ers and Rams... The 49ers started their run to the playoffs by beating the Rams at SoFi. Big comeback in Week 18 win overtime with the playoffs on the line. If they have lost that game, they were not in. The Saints won that week and would have been in the playoffs. 49ers now won six straight games against them dating back to 2019. 
Could that be a mental edge in the most important meeting yet? We will find out. We're going to talk more football with fan size Matt Ferram right off this call from the AFC Championship game, the de facto AFC Championship game, in my opinion, the Bills Chiefs heavyweight fight. Courtesy of CBS Sports is Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Down the middle. It's Hill in the open. Cuts it upfield. He might be gone. He is. Kansas City takes the lead with a minute to go from 64 incredible yards. Well, we talked about Josh Allen needed to make a huge play. This place is going crazy. And then all of a sudden, you got Superman himself comes out and he shows you Patrick Mahomes. He don't lose in the playoffs very often. Six and one here, only that loss in overtime. But if he gets the ball, wow, what a strike. And then Tyreek does the rest. Cheetah says goodbye. He's even give a little wave here. Bye-bye. Do not catch an M in the open field. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking NFL playoffs, coming off possibly the greatest weekend of football we've ever seen. Join me today, the fan side NFL insider, Matt Verderam is here. Matt, how are you? Doing great, Michael. How are you? Pretty good. I have to say, this this weekend was so much fun. We saw, literally, as I said several times here, I think the greatest weekend of football we've ever seen. Did you feel that way watching all these games? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I don't know that there's even an argument that it wasn't the best weekend of, of NFL more. I mean, I don't know that there's ever been more excitement in a weekend. And there's certainly been some other ones over the years. Um, you know, if you went back and looked, there have been some iconic games that have shared a weekend. Um, you know, the 81 conference championship games are both iconic games. Um, you know, 72 divisionals. There's some, I mean, this... This was all four games being razor thin, all being decided on the last play. Um, obviously, one in overtime, three at the end, in, in, with road kickers winning the game. So uh, it had it all. I thought the game on Sunday night, I think it was the finest exhibition of quarterback play I've ever seen in my life. I don't think you could ever find a game where two guys both played better than that. I mean, I don't know that one of them made a mistake the entire game. Nobody threw a pick. Nobody lost the fumble. Um, I, I think Allen maybe had one throw to Knox. He kind of overthrew him. He looked like that back. It's a little screen pass. Uh, neither guy threw a ball that should have been picked. It was, it was just magnificent football. Oh, for sure. I want to kind of hit on one thing from each of these games before we get to the games this weekend. So the Tennessee-Cincinnati game, you know, the first one here. Is it simplistic to say that Ryan Tannehill is the reason the Titans are not playing this weekend? Um, yeah, look, I, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. I would also say, though, and I think of all the stuff that happened this weekend, and there's so much it's hard to keep track of everything, um, Mike Rabel has somehow gotten no blame in any of this. Nobody has anything to say about him. And, and I like Mike Rabel, by the way. I, I think he's a very good head coach. But I thought he had a really bad game. Um, that's a game where, I'm sorry, you cannot lose. You, you cannot lose when your defense, has nine sacks, nine sacks, and yet there's a game where you lose because you can't really get anything going offensively. Um, you you have three turnovers from the quarterback, which is on Tannehill, especially the last interception was just mind-boggling. I and mean, the only thing you can't do there is throw a pick. But I look at that last sequence, that last three minutes. 
you're tied. You have the ball. You have all your time up to Tennessee. What are you doing? I'm thinking of running the ball, taking 40 seconds off the clock for a two-minute warning. And they come out of the two-minute warning. They complete a pass and down. They run 38 more seconds off the clock. Then they snap the ball. They run for no gain. They run another 30 seconds off the clock. I mean, if you think that little of your quarterback, then cut him, trade him, get rid of him. Because you're in an AFC division game. You're the one seed. If you win that game as it plays out, you host Kansas City. Like, I get it. Tannehill is not an upper echelon quarterback, but he's also not, he's not you know, Zach Mettenberger. Like, my God, like, take a shot. Try. Like, get three minutes. It wasn't like you were asking him to take a bunch of you know, 20, 25-yard attempts there. Like, just drive. drive. Try to pick up 40, 60 yards to field goal. They didn't do that, but they also didn't sit on it, and he ends up throwing a pick. So I thought, yeah, Tannehill was terrible. Grable was everybody's bad at the end of that game. Yeah, certainly a fair point. I'm going to go now to the Packer 49er game. I was like, 49ers got to move the ball most of that game. Ends up winning coming back because the special teams make some big plays, and Aaron Rodgers not score the ball here. So we're going to continue the blame train here. So who is more to blame for the Packers losing? Aaron Rodgers putting up 10 points, the special teams just being abysmal. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's both, but, I, I look at Rodgers more. The special teams was, was atrocious. No one would argue that. They had a field goal get blocked. They had a punt that gets blocked. You know, that gets returned for a touchdown. And the defense gives up six points all game and you'll lose. That said, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP of the league for a second straight year. Games at home on his racket. And he did nothing. They had a, good, they had a really nice first drive. And he had one play where he leaks out to the right on a busted play and comes down and runs for 75 yards. He did nothing outside of that. The entire game. Nothing. He didn't drive the ball really at all. And you look at his numbers. He had 27 targets in the game. 21 of them were Adams or Jones. The only other person who had multiple targets was Dominique Gaffney. I mean, you watch the game on Sunday night. Mahomes is throwing touchdown passes to Byron Pringle. They're getting Cole Hartman involved. They're swinging the ball to Jarek McKinnon. These are not bad players, but they're not household names either. It wasn't all just Kelsey and Hill. With the Bills, Zeke had three catches for seven yards. He did nothing. The Chiefs completely took him out of the game. And yet Gabriel Davis goes for 200-plus and four touchdowns. Like, Allen and Mahomes didn't just turtle when their best guy was covered. They kept gunning it. And I thought that was the biggest failure of Rodgers in that game. Look, I get the Niners have a good defense, and D'Amico Ryan's is a really good coordinator. But at some point, you've got to be willing to throw the ball to some places that maybe you don't want to go with the football. Maybe you've got to find your secondary options. And I felt like throughout that game, Rodgers was just completely unwilling to do it, and it came back to bite him. Yeah, for sure. Do you think this is the last we've seen of him in Green Bay? I think he's going to get traded. And I didn't last year. You know, when everybody thought he was going to get dealt, and God knows I've been wrong plenty of times in my career. But that was one thing. Everybody felt like he had so much leverage. I didn't feel that way at all. Um, I, I thought the Packers would hold on to him. They play hardball. That's what they ended up doing. And it worked out. They went 13-4. They won the division. They were the one seed. The whole deal is going to be the MVP again. This time, I think it's different. They're going to lose a host of players in free agency. They're going to cut some guys as well. They are $40 million over the projected cap. Um, that team is not going to be as good as it was. Uh, this this time next year. It's just not. They're going to have to probably gonna lose the Smith brothers off the edge. You know, then there's Alexander and there's Adams and there's Tunyon. 
Um, among other free agents as well, Devondre Campbell, who was the first female pro linebacker. Uh, Rasul Douglas, who was great for them, a corner down the stretch. So I think if you're the Packers, and you're going to lose all that, or at least some of that, and you couldn't win this year, you couldn't even win a playoff game, I think it might be time to say, let's see what we've got in Jordan Love, trade Rodgers for two or three first-round picks and, and, and change. And you start building up a, a new team in a new era. Yeah, speaking of a new era, we might have one coming in Tampa Bay. There's other reports came out over the weekend that Tom Brady is sitting in retirement. He said on this podcast week that he's got to listen to what his family wants to do because he says it's not just me. It's also got way their interest in here. He stuck for a while playing until he's 45, but I think the smoke around here is worth monitoring. I personally can't see him retiring after this season. Do you think we've seen the last Tom Brady? No, I don't. I think he'll play one more year. He's got one year left in his deal. They're still really good. Now, they're another team. They're going to lose some pieces to this offseason. There's no way around that. Godwin, even if he comes back, I mean, you're probably talking midseason. Um, I think there's a good chance that that team is not the team it once was. But if you're Brady, unless it truly is just a situation where his family says, hey, look, we, we don't want to do this anymore, then, yeah, hey, listen, you're, you know, you're, you got a wife, you kid, you listen, and you, and you do what's best for your family. But I think he plays one more season. Um, he's still great. I mean, hell, he had 5,000 yards before he touched that this year. It wasn't like he was a bum. So he can still do it physically. I still think the fire burns. I, I don't I don't think there's any question about that. But I do think um, he's probably got a year left. I, I, would, I would be surprised if he hung it up. But I'd be equally surprised if he plays past this upcoming season. Yeah, let's get to obviously the game of the weekend, probably the game of all time here, Bills Chiefs. And I think the big thing coming out of this game is the sequence at the end there. And everyone's been screaming for all week about the overtime rules that you change, which they do. But I think to me, the thing is not getting reported enough here is the fact that the Bills kicking in the end zone with 13 seconds left, it really ends up costing them the football game because it was a mistake. Tarnall first guessed it for CBS. He basically said, hey, don't give Mahomes any more time than he needs to try and come back and get in field goal range. What do you think about how that end of that game played out for Buffalo? Well, I, you know, I actually have a little bit of a different opinion on this. And, and look, I, I'm not arguing that they should have kicked the ball in play to take some time off. I think that's true. I was surprised in the moment when they didn't do it. But I think the bigger blunder was the way they played defense in the last 13 seconds. They were guarding the sidelines, and they were backing up. The Chiefs had all three timeouts. Like, it wasn't a situation where the Chiefs had no timeouts. Then, okay, fine, I get it. You're playing like Kansas City can't stop the clock. The Chiefs just went right up the field. And you, look, as great as Mahomes was in that game, I thought, I mean, yeah, the poise under pressure certainly is, is impressive, but those are the two easiest throws you had all night. I mean, it couldn't have been any easier. Kelsey's running wide open up the seam. That was the Kelsey's credit and adjustment on the fly. I think that's probably the most impressive part of the whole game. Kelsey's going to do that on that spot. But, you know, yes, the kickoff set all that in motion. They should have pooch kicked it or something like that. But I also look at it this way. What if they kick it off and Tyreek Hill runs it back 50 yards? Then everybody's screaming at McDermott. How do you not just kick it through the back of the end zone? I think the more egregious one there was, you're sitting there with 13 seconds left and a good defense. Like, how are you not playing where you just drop eight guys? You don't need a pass rush. Mahomes has to throw the ball right away anyway. Like, drop eight, bang Kelsey at the line of scrimmage, bang Hill at the line of scrimmage, play over top of them, make everything hard. And they just, they just never did it. They just let the Chiefs just basically do whatever they want on those two plays. Now, when you have a team with those kinds of talents, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just—it's inevitable. Unless they drop the ball or Mahomes makes a bad throw, but if, if there was nothing to lead you throughout the first 59 minutes of that game, 
So you thought that was going to happen. So I thought, yes, the kickoff was a mistake. I think they should have played it differently. But that was a brutal, brutal job by Leslie Frazier. I think a good coach, but he had a he had a, a bad, bad 13 seconds, and it cost him their season. Oh, absolutely. Let's go ahead now to this weekend's action here. We got the two games here. Start first with the AFC game, the Bengals and the Chiefs. The Chiefs met back in Week 17. Cincinnati won at the gun. And now, I yep. mean, they are going to Arrowhead this time. I feel like the stage is set here for Kansas City to get revenge here, and I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. What's your handicap on this game getting into it? I think the Burroughs, uh, this town's called the Burroughs. I might as well have. <laughs> uh, I, I think the Bengals are legitimate, and Burrow is enough. I, I, I do. I think he's not as physically gifted as Allen and Herbert and Mahomes. Um, he's not the athlete, obviously, no, because Lamar Jackson is. But he has that good quality about him. That guy, he's cool as, as can be under pressure. He's got enough arm. He's tough as hell. Um, he's a leader. He's a winner. That team, they're going to be a problem for a long time. That said, this is not the Raiders or the Titans. This is another animal. And I get it, as you mentioned, and rightfully so. They, they don't only beat the Chiefs. Burroughs went for 446 yards in that game. Chase went for 266 and three touchdowns. They, they destroyed the Chiefs defense in that game. One thing about that, I actually think it helps Kansas City. Kansas City has now seen it in person. They're not just looking at film. They played it. Spagnolo in that game was extremely aggressive. They, I, I believe, according to Doug Farrar over USA Today, they put 31 times in that game without like six guys. I mean, Kansas City just relentlessly went after Burrow. They will not do that in this game. They will rush four. They'll get home because Cincinnati can't block. And I don't think it's much of an issue there. I think they will get pressure. Jones has a couple sacks in week 17. They'll, they'll have similar numbers here. Um, and they'll probably just do what they did today. They'll double chase. They'll do whatever they have to do to take them out of the game. And while the Chiefs think about 36 points against the Bills, you know, they only gave up 21 through the first 58 minutes, and then Allen just went out of his mind. And you started to see without Tyron Matthew what a deficiency that was. Um, I think there's a good chance Matthew's back on Sunday. They are looking like they're going to get Rashad Fenton back, which is a big deal. He's a big upgrade over Mike Hughes. I think the Bengals will make it interesting, but I think it's something like 38-27. I, I think the Chiefs will win. Yeah, and let's go to the other game real quick, the NFC game here. 49ers-Rams, he's met Twice this season, 49ers won both, including Week 18, to get in the playoffs with the big comeback win in overtime here. They won six straight against the Rams, getting back to 2019. It also feels like it's a little bit of match with this 49er team here. What do you think about this matchup heading into Sunday night? I'm picking the Rams, but I'm not confident about it. I, you know, I mean, it matters that when you've lost six in a row, it's the same coaches in all those games, and a lot of the same players. I know the Rams, obviously, this year, of course, it's a little different for them, especially with Stafford and Odell and Von Miller, I, I get that. But they had all those guys for these two games this year, and they got hammered in San Francisco, and they got out to a fast start at home and then lost. And it, I, look, that game, it, it felt like candlestick with the way the crowd was, and I would expect it to be similar this time around, despite the Rams' efforts to uh, keep ticket sales from within the local area. It's tough. Um, it's a tough game to pick. My concern is with Trent Williams. If he's not healthy, I think it's a massive issue. I know Charlotte said he expects him to play. And maybe he does, and maybe that's enough. Um, but if he plays, how healthy is he? If Trent Williams is healthy, like legitimately not only plays, but can actually function the way he normally functions, I think the Fortnite did a great shot to win the game. I might even pick him. Uh, but because I don't know that he's healthy, and I, I wonder about that, I'll say Rams 23 20. But I, I would, that game to me is more of the toss up. I'd be pretty surprised if the Chiefs lost. I, I would not be surprised either way in the NFC. 
Absolutely. My last question here is obviously we have a rough idea where you're going with the games here. So obviously we have four potential matchups left. I ranked them personally for fan side this week. I put Chiefs 49ers in the top pick here. If you, what do you think the feeling would be inside 345 Park Avenue? What, how they want these two games to play out for there to have the most interest nationwide? I think they want the Chiefs to win. I mean, I, you know, I'm not one of these people who think they're going to win games or anything, but I think, you know, if you're the NFL, like Mahomes is just, he's your cash cow. And you, you want them in that game. They're, they're just such a draw. They're like the Warriors in the NBA. Everybody wants to see the Splash Brothers and all that. Um, I think they like to see the Rams. Although I think those are two big markets. Like, I don't think it's really going to matter to them, but. You know, the Rams with their glitz and their glamour and, and, and all the stars and, and Stafford and that whole narrative. I say that, but I think the NFL had its brothers. The Chiefs would play in the, in the Super Bowl, and then you get one of your teams. But you know what? The NFL, here's a little known fact. The highest-rated Super Bowl of all time, Super Bowl 16, Bengals and Niners. So, take that for what it's worth. We could get it again this year, too. You could. You absolutely could. Yeah, for sure. Matt, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can people follow on social media. Keep up with the uh, NFL coverage over at Fansided. Yeah, I mean, check out the content at Fansided.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Matt Verderam. You can uh, check out my Stack in the Box podcast, which is on YouTube, as well as all the places you find your other podcasts. You can do the same if you're a Chiefs fan with Arrowhead Attic. Um, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you want more content with that. Uh, but I'm on Twitter more than any human being should be. So if you really like... Uh, my articles and my commentary, uh, that's where to find me. Absolutely. Matt's a great Twitter follow. Matt, thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks are back. We are here to preview the conference championship games, make the picks for both games. Join me today, good friend of mine. You heard from him back in week number six. Joe Chaffee is here. Joe, how are you? Michael, I'm in a great mood. Surprisingly, considering your team should have been here and they weren't, and they're not. Well, I was at the Ranger game last night. Well, that uh, so Adam Fox left me in a, in a very good mood walking on Madison Garden last night. Yeah, well, that was a great game. The Rangers did win, and they're your number one team. But the Titans, I got to tell you, man, I watched that game. Very disappointing end to it. So what's your takeaway from the Titan loss here? And I share it with a sort of Taylor Mayfield go to the Super Bowl. Mr. Phillips. Yeah. When we talked about the Tennessee Titans all those weeks back, what did I say would be their biggest crux? Ryan Tannehill. Three picks. I mean, listen, like, the, the state of quarterback in the NFL, I know, is very um, – you're either here or you're everybody else, and Tannehill makes the Titans everybody else. Yeah. Um, Henry also wasn't completely Derrick Henry, uh, but it's not like he had an awful game. You're not going to want to play a game when your quarterback throws three picks, and I know Tannehill's a good regular season quarterback. Um, I, I just can never see the Tennessee Titans going beyond that level of a team – with Ryan Tannehill at a quarterback. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because basically the way they played that game was good was extremely good the way. I mean, they held the Bengal red hot offense under 20 points. They sacked Joe Burrow nine times. They had a key interception of Joe Burrow late in the game with an amazing play by Amani Hooker. And then Tannehill, all he has to do is not yuck it up. He yucks it up. So that's one thing you have to worry about here because, again, it's like you're in an elite conference now with Patrick Mahomes, with Josh Allen, with Justin Herbert, with Joe Burrow, plus whoever else is in the young quarterback crops. Like, Tannehill may not be enough to get this team over the top unless everything goes exactly perfectly. Yeah, I mean, and I know many Jets fans are saying Zach Wilson will be in that category soon. 
We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think Tannehill's a good regular season quarterback. And listen, the Titans could have won this game very easily. Um, but he couldn't get them over the hump. And I think their defense is great. A healthy Derrick Henry, maybe you beat the Bengals, but is a Derrick a healthy Derrick Henry gonna beat Kansas City? I don't think so either. Um, so I, I think dare I say kind of like the the Clippers in basketball when they had Blake Griffin. Chris Paul, every year they were the 3-4 seed, and every year they were getting into the playoffs, and they couldn't get over that hump because they didn't have that LeBron, they didn't have that other player. I, I think the Titans are kind of the same, where with this team, they could be a playoff team for many years. Maybe one year they get lucky, but if Tannehill is your quarterback, I don't think you're ever going to beat the Mahomes. The, I mean, watching Mahomes now and go back and forth, you, Ryan Tannehill can't do that. No. He, or Derek Henry can't get the ball and just run 80 yards every play either. Yeah. Um, so as long as the Titans have – Tannehill is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback, and I don't think the Titans ever win with him. Yeah, it's an interesting spot for them too because I, may, I was disappointed. I was invested in the Titans. I had some shekels on them getting out of the AFC. They let me down. So now they have the, a critical offseason here where they have to sort of make some decisions on players. They have to – Realize that, you know, they had the pass up from They had home field. They had a good draw. They didn't have to face both the Bills and the Chiefs. Only had to get one of them. They couldn't even get and past had the, And had the bye week. Had the week off to get healthy. Had the bye week, which let them get Derrick Henry back. They don't even get to the AFC Championship game, which is a big disappointment. So, like, is it? what do you think the answer is here? Is it just looking for a quarterback? Because I don't think they can get out of that contract that easily. And also, too, it's not like Derrick Henry is young anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, how many years does a running back really have at Henry's level? Um, you hope another ye- two years maybe three um no the answer could be they run it back and hope they get healthy and they hope they get lucky um because again if you want to argue they have a healthy derrick henry they win this game if you want to argue with a healthy derrick henry maybe they can hold the ball and run the ball and control the clock um their strategy could be just let's try to stick with it have you no know, that one season because listen uh, you know, there have been worse quarterbacks than Ryan Tannehill to win a Super Bowl. Um, so maybe they can just run it back at lucky, or maybe, you know, they look to, you know, they're going to have a pick in the late first round here. Um, if I don't know which quarterback will be available that late because quarterbacks tend to go super early. But if they see someone in the second or the third that they say, you want, let's take a flyer on this kid and see how he looks in practice and maybe build around him, maybe taking over for Tannehill in a few years. Or they just decide to blow it up. I, I don't think they go that route. Um, I, I think they kind of run back the same team next year and hope, you know, it, it could be our year if we just get a right break here and there. Or if Tannehill is any better than he was last week. I think the answer is run it back because I feel like this year there's no good quarterbacks in the class, so there's not really anything to do there. So you have really division is very winnable because the Texans and Jaguars both in one rebuild. The Colts just That's can't get, get out of their own way. So. You look at, you know, you're going to be hosting a home playoff game and, you know, try and perfect the formula as best you can, make tweaks around the edge. I think that's what the play is. And as you said, with the division, you would think playing the Jaguars and the Texans, that's three wins, at least, yeah. you hope, three and one. Uh, so that gives you a pretty good head start. Even if you split with the Colts, that's, that's four and two. And if you can be okay the rest of your schedule, they should win that division. Um, I know Lawrence, obviously, is good and young. The Texans have a lot to figure out, a quarterback with Deshaun Watson, if he ever comes back, where they move in that position. Um, the division is theirs for the taking for at least, you would think, a year or two. Um, we'll see what they do. I, they're just – they're good. They're a good 
football team. They're just not a championship football team. Yeah, we'll see how's then going forward. Let's get to the reason you're here. They were doing the picks for a championship weekend here on the podcast. My good friend John Stanka was here last week for a team challenge. He went two and two on the week. He had wins with the 49ers getting five and a half and the Rams plus three. He won the NFC games, lost the AFC games. He had your Titans laying a three and a half and the Bills plus two. So two and two for Mr. Stanko. He's a very, he knows his movies. He's a Red Sox fan, uh, but he know, he's a very smart kid. Yeah. So on the year, team challengers 28, 34 and two. They're six and four in the playoffs though. So a good playoff run so far for the challengers. All right. I hope I can keep it going. Yeah. No promises. Yeah. I had a very bad week last week. I had, It was not good. I ended up going 0-4. Oh, my God. Oh, the Pope. Yeah. So to be clear, I was riding your Titans. I had the three and a half there, so I lost that one. I had the Packers laying the five and a half. The Bucks laying the three. I was Stanko on the Bills, plus two. So 0-4 last week for yours truly. Well, the... I guess there's only way one way to go, but there's only two games. So would it really be crazy oh and two this week? I would say no. No, so to re- reset here, I'm I've now only won you five hundred for the whole season, thirty two, thirty one and one. I'm three and seven in the playoffs. I went three and three last week, so I gotta pick up the game here as we get down the stretch. You can do it, I believe in you. Absolutely. So let's go ahead. We're going to do the two picks. We're gonna do one game at a time. We'll start off in the AFCs. So that's the first game, Joe. We're going to 305 on Sunday afternoon on CBS. The Cincinnati Bengals going to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are laying seven points at home. Joe, who are you taking? I think the Chiefs win, but not by more than seven. So I'm going to take the points with Cincinnati. Yeah, so you're taking the points based on the fact you think this game is going to be close than not, not closer than the number. I mean, every game this weekend was close. So just looking at this weekend, Kansas City does have a very good defense. Granted, Buffalo, you can say, had a better defense than Cincinnati, but I think Burrow didn't really have his best game against Tennessee. He's way too talented to have another stinker like that. Uh, I don't know if he can go one-on-one with the homes, but I see the Chiefs winning, but not by more than seven. I'm going against you on this one. I have the Chiefs laying the points here. I think this is one where they're going to remember very clearly that Cincinnati beat them in the regular season, Week 17, at, in Cincinnati. And have that game face any motivation here to get back to Super Bowl after last year's disaster here. I think Cincinnati in over their heads. I think this is sort of a spot where they're going to look at this and say, okay, we made our moment here. Going to Arrowhead in the playoffs, a whole different animal. I think they're going to run to a buzzsaw here. I think it's getting very ugly. So I'm going to lay the seven with the Chiefs. The one thing I'll say, Mike, is if you look at last week's game with Buffalo and Kansas City, the Kansas City secondary was a dumpster fire. Yeah. And I would... I don't see how it's debatable. I think Cincinnati is a much better receiving core and a much better running back and Joe Mixon than Buffalo does. Uh, so good luck stopping Higgins and Chase if you can stop that Buffalo wide receiving core. All right, so that's the AFC game. NFC game, 49ers at the Rams, Sunday at 640 on Fox. The Rams are laying three. Joe, who are you taking? Give me the Rams. I'm taking the Rams, I think. They're just... I. Just, I feel like San Francisco is a good team. They they got a lucky block punt. Uh, they did beat Aaron Rodgers at home, which isn't easy. But I think the Rams' offense is just too powerful. I, I don't see San Francisco keeping up here. Garoppolo's good. He's not on the level of Stafford. Uh, I'm taking the Rams. We're going heads up again. We're going to take the 49ers, getting the points. I did lock in the three and a half when it was on FanDuel after the game. It quickly dropped the three here. 
Let's remember here, 49ers have won six straight against the Rams dating back to 2019, including this year in LA, week 18, when they had to win to get in the playoffs. They had the great rally win in overtime. There's something about this team. They have the dudes, they're very physical. And I just don't trust the Rams in this spot here to get the job done because they tried very hard to get that game away to Tampa last week. All the fumbles, took the big play from Stafford at the end to win it. I think the 49ers are going to get the job done here, make it seven straight over the Rams. So I'm going to take the 49ers with the points. Dare I say the 49ers have like a Giants playoff run as field of them? It does. Where they're not the best team, but they're finding ways to win. So I wouldn't be shocked. I just think the Rams are too good. I think the Rams without... I thought Tampa Bay or uh, the Rams are going to win the NFC. They knocked each one each other out, so I think the Rams take it. And I think they, they cover that spread. All right, so to reset the picks here, the AFC game, Joe is taking the points with the Bengals. I am laying the seven with the Chiefs. In the NFC game, Joe is laying the three with the Rams. I am taking the points with the 49ers. And those are your picks for championship weekend here on the podcast. Coming up next week, we're going to do a special Super Bowl betting spot here. We're going to talk all the different angles to bet the game, whether it's the spread. We're not going to make the official picks. We're going to talk about the props, the over-under, the money line, all that good stuff. We'll talk about that next week. Can't wait to listen. Well, absolutely a lot of fun. Joe, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. People want to follow you on social media. How can they do that? Uh, my Twitter is under, J underscore Chaffee. Uh, I usually just retweet things trying to win contests. And you can find my cell phone number. Mike will give it to you if you ask nicely. Yeah, if you ask nicely, I'll get, put you in contact with Joe. Anytime. I'm a very friendly person, I think. All right, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mikey. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, two-minute drill time. And I got to say here, the Hall of Fame voting for baseball this week, very disappointing. Can't say I'm shocked, but still annoyed how this played out. The baseball writers vote came in. We only put one guy in the hall. David Ortiz gets in with 77.9% of the vote, gets in by 11 votes. His first year on the ballot, the only guy in, he's joined the Veterans Committee electees of Buck O'Neill, Bud Fowler, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, Gil Hodges, long overdue on him, by the way, and the great Minnie Minioso. And that's it. And the fact that David Ortiz gets in, on the first ballot, he sails right in. Despite that, he flunked the survey test in 2003. While Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are being blocked by the holier-than-thou writers. Shame on this process. It's a disgrace. Simply put, David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame first ballot because he's likable. Because people think, oh, he's such a nice guy. He gave an inspiring speech to Boston after the city had the terrorist attack, he goes to the Fenway Park, he's clutching in the postseason, he's a big mobile guy, he's in. And it's not to say he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I think any of these guys should be in there. I think at this point, you know what? Put in David Ortiz, put in Barry Bonds, put in Roger Clemens, put in Sammy Sosa, put them all in. But for the writers, and it's not all of them, I mean, 65% said Roger Clemens should be in, 66% said Barry Bonds should be in. But for those people who are sitting there distinguishing David Ortiz from them, that's a lot of crap. I'm sorry. It absolutely is. And you look at the way the David Ortiz situation has played out here. He flunks the steroid test in 03, the survey test. He gets Rob Manfred come out publicly defend him and say, oh, you shouldn't account for that test, blah, 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 blah. And 
you know, the fact that he's getting in while we're holding out Mike Piazza for three years to get back acne. We're doing that. In fact, we're holding out guys who are clear hole hangers in Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens just to make a statement. I don't like that. And to me, I was for a while against the whole steroid guys getting in. But that changed when the Hall of Fame put Bud Selig in. And Bud Selig watched over this whole era. He profited off this whole era. He's in the Hall of Fame and those guys aren't. I'm sorry, that's wrong. They should all be in. And now they're off the ballot, Bonds and Clemens, as the 10th year. I think if they had a little more time, we had, and this is something else that goes underreported, the whole cut the eligibility time period from 15 years to 10, most likely to try and usher the steroid guys off the ballot as fast as possible. I think if you got more younger voters coming in who are more amenable to the Barry Bonds situation, I think they would have gotten it eventually. But now they're stuck in the Veterans Committee bubble. We will see what happens with them the first eligible next year, I'll be surprised they're in right away. Might be a while before we hear about Bonds and Clemens getting in. The other big one, Kurt Schilling. Remember last year he fell 16 votes short. Went on the tirade, said the writers should stop voting for him. He also basically took a bunch of shots at journalists saying, you know, if you write crap about me in the past, you shouldn't vote for me. And he's talking about January 6th conspiracy theories. Particularly his percentage plummets all the way down 58.6%. He's out too. He'll also go on the veteran committee ballot, so we will see what happens to him. I feel like the committee may be easier on him than the writers were, so we'll see about that. The other big takeaway here, Alex Rodriguez, first year on the ballot, gets 34.3% of the vote. He's not getting it. If the writers hedge this long on Bonds and Clemens, and they only got to about two-thirds of the vote, A-Rod's not getting 75. And yes, A-Rod did flunk two tests, A-Rod also is one of the best players in the history of the game. He did stupid stuff for sure, but again, if Bud Steele gets profiting off a steroid error, A-Rod should be in too. In terms of the rest of the ballot here, the big winner it appears to be Scott Rowland. He jumped up to 63.2% his fifth year on the ballot. He got five years to go. And with the big names off the board here with Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, and Sammy Sosa, I think it's a good chance he makes the hall next year. Todd Helton took a big leap up to 52%. Billy Wagner, 51% his seventh year on the ballot. Andrew Jones, 41.1%, 50 on the ballot. Those are the four names that get the closest to the hall in the coming years. Jeff Kent down at 32.7, ninth year. He's not getting in. We'll see if the Veterans Committee is better on him. Manny has a move. Orvis Kale plummets after all the off-the-field stuff with him over the past year. Sosa's gone. Andy Pettit's 10.7%. And the rest of the guys, not much happening there. The 2024 class. There is only 2023 class, excuse me. Let's look at the 2023. There's only one notable first-timer on the ballot. That's Carlos Beltran. Tremendous career with the Mets and the Royals and the Astros. Borderline Hall of Famer. But you wonder if the Astros cheating scandal 2017 is going to be against him by the writers. Because remember, they're already being holier than out the steroids. So the fact that he's linked to the cheating scandal, he lost his job at the Mets before he even got a game in as the manager because of that. We'll see if he gets held down. I hope he at least gets the 5% so he stays on the ballot and people realize how ridiculous this is being held against him when Carlos Beltran's not running a whole cheating ring by himself. We'll see what happens there. I think Roland gets in next year. I think Hell will be close. I don't think he'll make the cut. I think Andrew Jones will be over 60% next year. In a few years. Billy Wagner, we'll be curious to see how he goes because he's probably the closest pitcher getting in in the next five years. And that's a crazy thought, but there's not a lot of pitching on, the, on this ballot that looks like it's Hall of Fame worthy. We will see. But, again, Ortiz being in there, while 
Bonds and Clemens are held out, and guys like Piazza being held out for a couple of years for suspicion of steroids. That's a problem. And with that, I want to end this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Matt Verderam, for coming on to preview the conference championship games, talk about the weekend in football, Joe Chaffee doing the NFL picks as well. We're going to like this podcast, including my TV reviews on the stuff I've been watching on the streaming services lately, Manly Arena, Peacemaker, How About Your Father. Check out the blog over justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering Your Favorite Podcast platform. You can find all episodes there. Feel free your feedback and starrings will help, help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the chats with Matt and Joe are up on YouTube right now. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Also, I want to give you the weekly reminder to subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast feed. The Book of Boa Fett Chapter 5 recaps coming this week. And you watched the episode this week. It was very different. It was very good. Very different. We'll break that all down for you there. It's going to come out on the main feed this weekend. But if you want it sooner, get to the Sky Guys podcast feed. Subscribe there. You'll get it the day after we record. Plus, you can leave some feedback starrings for that one as well. If you want people to check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And that's going to do it for this week. Coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to recap the conference championship games. We're going to do some Super Bowl betting special and more. Until you have a better week than those poor Bills fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.